How's my financial health, Doc? Welcome to the Financial Literacy Podcast for Healthcare Professionals, where financial security and wealth topics are not a taboo. Well, hello, everybody.、Uh, welcome back. This show is really a fireside chat with my good friend Gordon Berger, and the reason why I invited Gordon to the show is because Gordon has over probably fifty years of experience in financial planning and asset management, and also tax strategies, helping physicians in Canada. And I wanted to, you know, pick his brain a little bit so that we can have a Very in-depth discussion about how physicians can properly plan their finances, and Gordon has agreed to give me a lot of his time so that we can have this chat. I think what you will find in this episode, actually three episodes, is that you will see the amount of experience and knowledge that Gordon has to share with us, and so I'm extremely, extremely excited to have Gordon with us today. Gordon is rich with knowledge in the field of financial management. He has been in the financial services business since 1970. As an MDRT life member, he has achieved special life and qualifying member of top of table, an accomplishment awarded to less than 400 agents in the world. Gordon has made numerous appearances on both television and radio. He has appeared on Money Talks on CHFI Radio, and makes frequent guest appearances on CFRB. He has also appeared on TV Ontario's Small Business Program. Gordon has participated as a co-author on various books such as The Power of Money and Turn Around: The Complete Canadian Guide. Gordon is a co-author of the Canadian Guide to Tax Planning, Benefits. And compensations for executive and managers, as well as a new book that is currently being launched, the Essential Individual Pension Plan Handbook. Gordon has served on a discussion panel at the Financial Services Industry Summit, and has lectured at the University of Toronto, York University, the Schulich School of Business, the Canadian Bar Association, and CCH Canadian Limited, as well as a lecturer to many accounting and law firms. Gordon founded the Pan Financial Group that opened its doors in 1985 and built a business on a foundation of integrity, due diligence, and innovation. The Pan Financial Group has built the business、uh, based on three strategic pillars, which are the pillars that are important to physicians. Namely, they are tax minimization strategies, wealth creation strategies, and unique investment strategies. For these reasons, I've invited Gord to my show to have a fireside chat. Gordon will share with us a lot of his knowledge and wisdom over his 50 years of practice. I'm so delighted today to have him with us and to have this chat with Gordon Berger. Uh, good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the show. How's my financial health, Doc? And、uh, we are now in the presence of a good friend of mine. We're going to be just、uh, shooting the breeze, really, because what I really want to do with this podcast is capture、uh, some of the wisdom that he has. Today, we are with Gordon Berger, Mr. Gordon Berger. I've、uh, invited him so that that、uh, we can have a.、Um, Sort of a conversation, so there's really no topic that that we're gonna stick to. So we're gonna try to have a conversation, and hopefully throughout our conversation, you get some golden nuggets that you can use in your everyday life. So good morning, Gordon. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you very much for、uh, giving us some of your time today. So Gordon, tell the audience,、uh, let the audience know a little bit about you. I've given、uh, your bio at the intro, but I think it's it's good as well for you to maybe let the audience know who you are and maybe a little bit of things that I, I didn't say in in the introduction. Okay, that's great. So I'm going to start at the beginning.、Uh, I was born May eighth, nineteen forty five. 
That was a very special day in Europe. It was uh, VE Day, Victory Over Europe. And my mother, I heard once say, that was the day the war ended uh, in Europe and started in Toronto with me. I've been around a long time. I'm now uh, 76 years old and working. I'm actually semi-retired because I, I only work 60 hours a week, seven days a week till 11 o'clock at night because I love what I do. After my education in basically accounting, I set up my first business. My first business was when I was actually uh, 24 years old, 23, because I didn't want to practice accounting. It wasn't my thing. I built a business in uh, Toronto, actually in Canada, and uh, somebody bought it when I was I actually just a tad before I was 25 years old and I was retired. So um, I didn't know what to do with my money. Uh, and my insurance agent came and he said, well, he met me and he said, you're an accountant. You're a successful businessman. Maybe you should sell life insurance. And I said, I said, I've always dreamt about selling life insurance. Not. There's no way I want to sell life insurance. Who would want to sell life insurance? So I looked around for about six months and finally said, oh, I have nothing to lose. You can learn from everything you do, which is me. I, I'll, I'll try anything once. <laughs> so I started in the life insurance business with my accounting, with my uh, entrepreneurial sense. I'm an extreme extrovert. I love doctors. And that's one of the reasons I'm doing this. So as, as Vuket knows, I've spent a lot of my time in hospitals, uh, sometimes as a patient, sometimes sometimes raising money. I was on the board of Mount Sinai Hospital uh, for years, and I'm still a governor of the hospital. I've worked at North York General, uh, helping them raise money. I fell in love with doctors because I, I, I have so many doctors as friends, I can't tell you. My life went on with business and the insurance business. I changed the insurance business. Uh, I believe I brought, I was one of the people that brought universal life into Canada, which is a modular form of buying life insurance and it's fully disclosed. Now today, I believe in whole life. So <laughs> the thing has gone all over the place, but you live and you learn. It's, and I expanded from there because I realized that a lot of people who I was coming in contact with really needed more education. So I spent uh, several years on uh, educating doctors, and I learned a lot about that. And I'm sure I'm sure Viet uh, will do uh, will actually ask me about these things because they're very interesting. So so I've learned a lot about doctors, um, and in my in my life, I've had many many experiences, and and so they help me be better at helping people like you. So uh, it, it ranges from investments, but not investments that people do. I've learned a lot about the tax business because of my background. And I've basically learned a lot about real estate, which I love, especially if we're living in major cities. Toronto has just become the number one real estate city in the entire world. Thank you very much, Gordon, for telling us all that, because I think it's important. I, I think it's important for the audience to know, one, how old you are. And I'm just saying this jokingly because there's a lot of experience in what you just mentioned there. And I really want to circle back, which we will, uh, back to the insurance piece, because you you said that you were initially a non-believer and now you are a believer. So we'll come back to that. And I want to really dive deep into that because, you, as you know, there's a, you know, two schools of thought right now. Uh, in the industry and and among physicians and healthcare, you know, one thing is buy term and invest the rest, and the other one is whole life. So that that confrontation still exists, and I I want to dive into it a little bit later. So why don't we start with something more simple, more general, and and it has to do with insurance. And the reason why I've picked this topic, uh, Gord, is because one, I want to pick your brain. I wanna I want to learn from you. But I think I've come to the realization myself that, you know, to have a proper foundation in financial security, and I'm not just talking about being wealthy, I'm just talking about being financially secured and not having to think about it and not losing sleep and making sure that, you know, the day that I'm no longer on this earth, but my children will be taken care of, you know, what is the most easiest 
a regular thing that me as a father can do. And I come to the realization that life insurance is one part of the answer, may not be all part of the entire answer, but one part of the answer. So I really want to dive into that and pick your brain because you've been dealing with this so many years. So the question I have is, why would anybody need insurance and life insurance, whether it's term, UL, or PAR? Let's just start with that. Yeah, because it doesn't matter what kind of what kind of product you buy. That has to do with a whole bunch of things. It has to do with the actual insurance that you may or may not need. So I liken it to building, to actually building a building. When you, when you build a big skyscraper or condo or whatever, it has to start with uh, an excavation, which we call a foundation. If you don't have a foundation to your personal growth, financial growth, you have a real problem. So everybody thinks, and you know this because you guys, you deal with this. People don't ever say something's going to happen to me until it happens. So they say, and one of the things is buy term and invest the difference. And I, I have, I use all of these as just products. I, I don't, I have a theory about them. I have experience, but they're just products to get you where you want to get to. Well, when you first started as a practicing doctor, uh, a lot of people, a lot of you have spent a lot of money, created a lot of debt. Um, then you go get married maybe. And all of a sudden you're carrying that debt with you uh, and you're just starting to make money. The problem is if something happens to you, I call it the Mack truck syndrome. If something happens to you, your life is either gone. In other words, you passed on. I call it to the cloud now because we have new innovations or you could, you could become disabled and all of a sudden your financial future is gone. So life insurance, no matter what kind, it doesn't matter what kind, doesn't matter how much it is, it can be the cheapest one or the most expensive one. What it does is it allows you to know that if anything happens to you, you have already created your financial future. Term insurance is very cheap today, much cheaper than it used to be. And so I love it for people who are starting, if, if that's your ability to pay. And therefore, what it does is it creates that financial foundation in your life. You're never going to have to worry that your family, your, your, uh, your children, your wife, your parents, who you may have to look after, there will be no money to help them. Because a lot of our parents don't have any money. They came from the old country. They came from Europe. They came from Asia. They came from wherever. And they started a new life here. And we're second or third generation. I was actually second generation. I was born here in Toronto, lived in Toronto all my life. The first thing I did as an accountant is I bought a little bit of insurance. And I didn't have any anybody to look after, but I bought it for another reason. So the second reason you even entertain insurance is because your health could change. You want to buy a proper amount so that at least if you become uninsurable, and every one of you as doctors knows this happens all the time. It, it could come from your parents, your grandparents. It doesn't matter. The genes are there. So, um, and now, unfortunately, medical science and insurance medical science is catching up with the world. So they actually uh, are looking at ways of stopping you from buying insurance because insurance isn't where they make their money. They make their money in trading money. Yeah. 24 hours a day around the world. That's what McDonald's does. That's how they set the stage. They didn't make a lot of money selling hamburgers. They made the money on the cash flow, right? So as doctors, you need to know that. When you start as when you start your profession, you have liabilities. You 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 have to cover those. And here's the other thing. I know uh, Vu wants to talk about life insurance, but the other thing is disability for you. See, life insurance. I always say to people, if you're dead, you're dead. You don't really reflect on. You have no time because you're dead to reflect reflect on what, all the good things you did and all the bad things you did. But disability, which happens a lot. Disability is you watch your world crumble around you. I think disability in a way is equally as important as life insurance to do it and, and find, the, find the best disability insurance you can and buy the most you ever have because the last day you work is the last day you make any money and it's tax-free. So, and there, we'll talk about that. I knew Vu was going to ask me about uh, tax benefits. There are a lot of tax benefits here because the government actually supports the purchase of life insurance, disability, critical illness for a reason. They don't want to have to pay them if something happens to them and they become disabled. 
So I, I just want to circle back to a few things you said earlier. You know, I purchased life insurance when I had my children, but I now come to realize you hit it on the nail. I'm a part of the generation of the bold people. We came from Vietnam. We had nothing. Uh, my parents came with nothing. Uh, and so my parents have no savings whatsoever. Right. And uh, they put me through medical school. I was very lucky. I got out of medical school, school with only $8,000 in debt. Imagine that. But that was because my parents put me there. And without my parents, there would be no me at all. And if, if, I, if I didn't purchase life insurance and I was gone tomorrow, my parents would be on the streets. And so I, I buy life insurance even if I don't have kids because I, someone needs to take care of my parents if I'm gone. Exactly. And so I, people say to me all the time, oh, I have no kids. I have no dependents. That's not true. You have dependents. If you're no longer on this earth, there are still other people that needs to be taken care of. And, and part of them are your parents or part of them are your siblings, whatever. So I think people forget that. The other thing that people forget is, you know, you may, <laughs> it's funny you say this because as doctors, we see death every day, every single day as an emerge doc. As a, as a doctor who works in long-term care, I see death every single day. But we don't assimilate that. We don't internalize that. Uh, we think we will live forever. Right. Um, I, I say this all the time because I remember this reading this in med school, you know, the, the different life stages of a child growing up into adulthood. And I, I always remember teenage years, you know, they feel immortal. They feel like nothing's going to happen to them and they're going to live forever. As physicians, we, we behave like teenagers. I say that all the time. Yet we see de death every day, but we behave like teenagers. And circle back to your point of the disability, which we'll talk about in, in just a few minutes. But a lot of my colleagues, I, hey, do you have disability insurance? No, no, I have no money for it. But you just bought a $4 million house and you're driving a Mercedes. Like, what do you mean you have no disability? Oh, it's too expensive. It's $10,000 a year. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like you're driving a Mercedes and your house is $4 million and you have no money for $10,000. $10, and that just drives me bonkers that, uh, that they don't think about the foundation. And to your point, once someone gets disability, you're, you're not dead, you're still here, but you see your entire life crumble around you. And that, that is really, really sad to see. Uh, so I really wanted to drive that point out. Yeah, and, and, and if I may, because of my 50 years in this business, I started in 1970 in the uh, estate planning and insurance business, I've seen this happen. Uh, you know, I'm just corroborating what you have just said, right? That's why I say it, because I've lived it. I've seen this happen, all of it, right? And, uh, I, and if we have time, I'll tell you a couple of stories. I always tell Vu, unfortunately, they're my stories, my experience. They look like insurance stories, but they're just real. No, I, I would love you to share with the audience because stories are impactful and stories are people what can relate to. So please share one. Okay. So I'm just thinking of one. So I have what became a good friend. He's one of the top realtors uh, in, in Toronto, which makes him one of the top realtors in Canada. And these, these top realtors make four or $5 million a year, even in the bad times in the last 10 years, right? Because there are no bad times for these guys, right? God's not making any more land and therefore everything's getting more expensive. So I sold, when he when he first started selling, he was a younger kid and I sold him eight, I think $8,000 of disability insurance and several million dollars of life insurance. And as time went on, he made more money and I kept on calling because we service our clients. And this one guy was growing and growing. And he said, I'm too busy, too busy, too busy. And all I'm saying is you need more disability. You know, we should change your life insurance because as you'll see later, there are it's very tax effective, uh, some of the things I do. And he said, no, I'm busy, busy. Finally, he said, okay, I'll buy more insurance, life insurance. And I said, okay. And that took months to get him to even focus on it because he's probably ADD. Most salesmen, by the way, I'm not practicing as a doctor, but I've noticed that most successful salesmen are some form of ADD. So finally, uh, we, my, I was on a cruise, the first day of a cruise, and my uh, executive assistant, who's been with me 26 years now, she said to me, uh, so he signed, the, he, he signed the application, but he forgot one question that he has to sign off on. I said, okay, well, why are you calling me? She said, I can't find him. I've called his cell phone. Is it, 
I said, okay, well, uh, I gave I gave uh, my assistant Sue the number to his wife. She called me back. She said, I found him. I said, well, where is he? He's at Sunnybrook. I said, what happened? He had a brain, a brain bleed and it left his body. Basically, he, he couldn't walk. He couldn't talk. He couldn't do anything. And so he was stuck with $8,000 of disability instead of $25,000 of disability. And his wife called me because they couldn't find out what was happening. It was actually, in my terms, a cancer of the blood. It was very terrible. The problem is his wife called me and said, I'm selling everything. He lived in a $4 million house. He was buying houses as investments, which are good, except all his money was in real estate. And he was making money in real estate. That's a formula for disaster. And I said, you're not selling anything till I get back. I was on a cruise. <laughs> so I went back and I sat down. You're not selling anything yet. Let's look at this. And I helped her through the whole thing. Ultimately, yes, they had to sell their house. I restructured their tax. I, um, in real estate, I got her license. So he had a big following so they could still make money. I did all those things, but had he bought the right insurance, he would have had $25,000 a month tax-free till age 65. He did get better, but he's, he's basically living the life of somebody who has ongoing uh, cancer, right? So he's on drugs, he's on, but he's able to work now, but his life changed drastically and it could have been better. You know, I, ha I have stories of uh, my own agent uh, who was telling me about um, a client of his who was a dentist. Uh, so it's a little bit more closer to home who was a dentist. And he kept, you know, every year telling him, hey, you should get life insurance. You should get life insurance. At one point, he just died of stomach cancer. Yeah. yeah. And uh, obviously, when he was diagnosed with stomach cancer, that was just prior to that, he wanted to purchase life insurance. And when he got diagnosed with stomach cancer, that was gone. Can, can I tell you one other thing? I want to tell you a good story. Yeah, of course. Go ahead. Um, so I, I had a client who was very well known uh, in the community, in the medical community. He was a dermatologist, uh, but he was chairman of a company that was creating new dermatological uh, um, inventions, if you will. And uh, I insured him for, I think it was $5.5 million in a tax structure which really didn't cost them anything. So don't be afraid of cost, everyone. It, it, like, you know, you, you can do things. So insurance can be no cash flow cost, no ultimate cost. But anyway. Well, well Gord, before you go on about cost. Yes. Because people don't understand insurance. Right. Especially physicians don't understand insurance. Yes. And physicians, you know, unfortunately, they don't listen to my podcast. They listen to other people's podcasts. And they and they and they say, well, it costs too much. It's not it's not worth it. Insurance is not something you buy, something that people sell to you. So they have all these misconceptions of insurance because they don't understand it. But the the sentence that you just mentioned earlier, you know, don't worry about the cost. There are ways to structure a policy so that the cost is actually. I'm not saying it doesn't cost anything. I'm just saying that it, it the 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 value that the policy will bring you much, much, much outweigh the cost. Exactly. And, and people don't understand the different ways that the policy can be structured. So all they hear are these gurus on podcasts that tell them, no, you shouldn't buy because they're only sold. They're not bought. People don't buy life insurance. Insurance companies in North America have yeah. tried everything to, to try to sell it on TV. Yeah offers when people don't buy life insurance unfortunately it has to be sold for all the reasons you're talking about people don't believe anything's going to happen to them right right they don't and they don't understand it it's the nature of the beast well it's the nature because one we don't understand finance two we don't understand planning three we don't understand insurance you know the, it's funny because we tell our patients never to go on to dr google yeah. Uh, but doctors like to go on finance Google. That's right. And, and think and think that they can do it on their own. Anyway, so he had this insurance for about four or five years. He got cancer and it took him a long time to pass away. 
but I'd never met his wife, who's also a dermatologist, okay? But they shared a practice. So after, after his funeral, I went back to the house. After everybody left and the wife said, who are you? I said, I'm your financial angel, right? I, I come up with things like this, right? Because she was very <laughs> sad. So I got her to laugh, right? I got her to laugh. In the time that your husband has been failing and, you know, getting sicker and sicker, have you gotten any bills that were surprising to you? He said, yeah, my, my husband's two best friends, a lawyer and an accountant. The, lawyers, the lawyer sent a retainer because he knew he was going to have to do work after he passed away. And the accountant just kept on sending bills. And they were his best friends. She said, what can you do for me? And I handed her a check for $5.8 million. I said, that's what I can do for you. I'm here to pay those bills. She cried for about 20 minutes. And then she said, would you look after me? And it's 10 years later, and I look after everything she does investments, everything, because she doesn't have the mind to do it. But she had five children all over the world studying. They all wanted to be doctors of some kind. And all of a sudden she said, I don't know what happened, but I can afford this now. I mean, she was making, you know, she was a part-time professional mm -hmm. doctor. So probably she was making quarter million dollars a year, but the house was a $6 million house with a big mortgage. So what I, what I want to say to everybody is, it's very simple. You are a machine, a very intricate machine. If you had in your basement a printing press, especially now with 3D, you know, copiers and everything, yep. you could make all the money you wanted and needed, and you didn't have to work. Would you insure that machine or not? Of course. Okay. You have a house. It's probably your, if you have a house in Toronto, it's your biggest asset for a long time. Do you insure it? Yes. What I'm saying is the principal person in this whole thing is you. Yes, the machine. The machine. So how does it make sense not to do that? So that's my one example. And you don't have to sell anything because it interpersonalizes exactly what you should be feeling. The other one is, I'm in a, so I was a pilot and I had my own airplane for a long time. I always say to people, if you are flying in the plane along with me, and I said, okay, the engines are out, you got to jump out of the airplane. Do you want a parachute or not? If you have a parachute, you get to jump out again. If you don't, you're dead. So they say, well, what kind of parachute? I said, it could be life insurance, could be disability. Disability is a good parachute, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it could be office overhead for those, those of you who have office overhead. That's the premium for that is deductible. So it's a, it's a, it's a giveaway, yeah. right? Uh, critical illness. So if you can't find something in Canada, and I know your doctors all say we have the finest medical system in Canada, but I've seen, I've seen patients of mine having to go to some specialty uh, clinics in the States where they were saved. Right. I'm not, I love our system here, but uh, you know, there's, there's well, medical exploration all over the world. Well, I, I work in this system. I love the system, but I know there are flaws. So I'm, I don't make any illusions about it. I used to be the medical director of a second medical opinion company, second opinion medical company. And I knew exactly where we had the gaps are because yeah. when we didn't have it, we had to go to Dana-Farber or we had to go to Sloan Kettering or we had to oh, go that's to- that's my example. John, John Hopkins, right? So- as a medical director, I knew where the gaps were. So I don't make any illusions. We have a great system, but we have flaws. That's exactly the hospital I was going to talk about. Okay. Sloan Kettering, right? They saved my wife's best friend. Yeah. She, uh, Princess Margaret told her to go have a good time and travel the world. She had severe cancer, brain cancer. And Sloan Kettering saved her life. And the first, the drug that, that it wasn't uh, approved here in Canada, so she paid for it. It was $20,000 a month. Okay. But she had the money. Then, in, of course, of course, uh, cancer catches up with drugs, right? Yeah. So the second time after eight years, they did, they did have a successful iteration of the original pro, um, process drug. And she's been alive and healthy, thank God, for 17 years now. That's amazing. She's and she's trained changed the treatment several times, but they're 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 actually figuring it out before she needs it. So I'm just saying, like, <laughs> you're right. You have to look all over the world, not just here. 
thank you for sharing that with us because you know I can talk about insurance all day on my podcast but it is not as effective as someone who has 50 years of experience telling us the the life stories that we need to hear second question is what type and when uh, of insurance is beneficial to high income earners, right? I'm not talking about Mr. Joe and Mrs. Joe. I'm talking about high income earners, yes. physicians, nurse practitioners, dentists, lawyers. You know, it's funny you mentioned lawyers because they think they're smart, but when it comes to insurance, they may not be. I, I may be generalizing, but so for no, high, no, you're, you're absolutely accurate. So for high income earners, what type of insurance are important for us? Okay. I said before, there's, there's a place in this world for every product or, the, or it wouldn't be sold. So term insurance, term insurance is an incredible product for buying the amount of insurance that either I or you think you need. Now, I'm much more accurate than you are because that's my business. It's my profession, right? It doesn't mean you have to buy it, but at a young age, term insurance is so cheap. It's like you could buy two, $3 million of term insurance for, for nothing, like literally for nothing for the first 10 years. So term insurance works in, in scheduled increases. So it's um, they call it 10-year term insurance, okay? And it's called renewable and convertible. So you can renew it every 10 years without a medical and no financials, uh, but it goes up. And it doesn't go up a lot in the first 20 or 30 years, but there's always a secret. And the secret for term insurance is when you get around the point, like in the 50s, so you've seen the studies of between 56 and 65 are the most dangerous period, right? Uh, for heart attacks and things like that. By then, in term insurance gets so expensive, you can't afford it. So you drop it, right? And people come to me all the time and say, I wish I had known. I walked through Mount Sinai a number of times and I see doctors who are still practicing at 75, 80 years. And they've been clients of mine for 40 years. Yeah. Some of them will come up and hug me and say, thank you very much for helping me in the early days. Some of them will look, will look at me as we're walking in the hall and they want to go the other way. And I always approach them. And, and what I get is, because I've had this experience, is they say, um, is they say, I should have listened to you. Yeah. Right. Term insurance is something you buy to start. Yeah. Unless, unless you come to me at the point where you're already making a fair amount of money. Yeah. And a fair amount of money is if you're incorporated with an MPC and then you're making over 500 gross, over $500,000 a year, which is um, a lot of doctors who work very hard. Okay. I know you have to work really hard to get there, but I have doctors who make a million and a half dollars a year. And I say, okay, you did that, but you have to consider taxes in everything you make. Yeah. So the reason you went from paying personal taxes to an MPC when they allowed you to do that is because whatever you're not spending, you're going you're gonna to keep in your MPC. You're going to pay your corporate tax, which can be as much over a million dollars as 26.5%. Or if it's under 500,000, it's uh, 10.5%, depending on the province you live in. And you got a break because now you've left most of your money in the corporation. There's even a problem there. I don't look at insurance. I look at your whole life. I look at everything because it's all one thing. Not one thing works. Yeah. So whether it's whole life or universal life, those are decisions. We look at every one of them. If you're looking at an elegant tax structure, which Vivu is familiar with, you could actually end up not paying personal tax out of your corporation. You know, everybody talks about term life versus whole life versus, you know, universal life or all that, but they look at it from a very singular point. Oh, it's life insurance. But no, no, what you're saying is that it's not just that. It's looking at the holistic view. What does that life insurance play in the overall financial uh, condition? Right. And so for some people, even they're very young, a participating life or a whole life still makes a lot of sense, even though they're young from a tax perspective. Right. Well, not and only that, but a payment perspective, because payment perspective. those premiums are frozen at your current age. Exactly. So, so if you're 30 instead of 60, you're going to pay a lot less every year. And of course, everybody says inflation. So so because everybody talks about inflation. Right. Yeah. Well, how much did you buy when you could? Well, you know, 
50 years ago, I bought $100,000 of insurance. And people said, oh, that was worth nothing. I said, no, at the time, $100,000 of insurance was worth a million. That's right. In, in current day um, value. I said, but if that's the only insurance you buy, and the only way you buy it, and you have a level death benefit, and maybe a level premium, you're not paying more. Yeah. If you don't buy any, if you don't buy and uh, on along the way, then it was a financial, a huge financial mistake on your part because we live in a world of inflation. You know, for for doctors. Uh, dentists, lawyers, again, high-income earners, I'll just call them high-income earners. The vast majority of our problem is not is not earning an income, right? We have a printing machine down in the basement. Unfortunately, that printing machine, it only works when we're present and we're seeing patients. So we, we exchange our life energy for a piece of green paper, or in Canada, it's multicolor. Uh, so we exchange our life energy for that, but we don't protect that printing machine. We don't protect it very well. Uh, and it's important that we do. So the difference, the difference is like when people go out to buy, I like to use examples, a car. Some people will buy a mini car. Yeah. Some people will buy a big car. Some people will buy a car with virtually no engine in it. Some people buy 500 horsepower. It's not about what I want to sell somebody. It's what I want to customize to who they are and what they are. Right. So, right. all right. So, so that's one thing. It's a life aspect of a product that you have to live with. It's not. It's not a one-time purchase either. It's for the rest of your life. That's right. That's right. People say to me, and I think this is very important. When I say, "So, what do you think about life insurance?" Oh no, bad deal, bad deal. I say, I hear that all the time. Of course. So I say, I say to them, "What's bad about it?" Oh, it's expensive, right? I said, is that the only thing that's bad about it? And they say, well, I know I'm asking a question. You said it's bad or, 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 oh, yuck or whatever, right? And I say, so let me, let me ask you a couple of questions. If you bought something that, in, that guarantees the financial success of your family for the rest of your life from day one, is that bad? And I said, well, no. If you buy it properly, the funds are creditor proof. Is that bad? I said, no, that's not bad. I said, if your money grows tax sheltered, so even if you get a 3% return in an insurance uh, policy, it's really six to you because you pay 50% tax. And everybody says, no, no, I have a corporation. I say, yeah, that's 10%. Then you take out money and the dividends are 39%, which you don't understand. And there's a dividend tax credit, but it comes up to 48%. So let's just make it 50, right? So you're paying, <laughs> so you're paying 50%, right? Anything over $222,000, yeah. right? So I, so I said to him, so this is a situation where we know it's creditor proof. We know it grows tax sheltered. We know it gives you from day one, the financial security, you know if anything happens to you when you pass away, everybody's looked after. All those people we talked about in your family. Number, th number four, which is even better than anything else, it's a systematic way of saving that you'll never miss. Yeah. Right? People, don't, people don't understand that. It's, it's interesting. Right. So that's called dollar cost averaging people, right? <laughs> on, the same, on the same day, every month for the rest of your life or as, as long as you want, yes. you're going to make an investment. And the investment goes two ways, to buy some insurance in whole life, which is about one-tenth of what you pay, and the rest gets invested in a general diversified fund. And they're called participating funds. Yeah. And they're not meant to hit home runs because they're, they have that tax effect of you're not paying tax on the, on the increase, right? So, so you're actually making what you'd make, but it doesn't take any of your time. And by the way, you don't have any time. Yeah. So that's, that's the other thing. So it's automatic investing for you. And no, I've never heard anybody on a deathbed in a hospital say, I shouldn't have done that. I've never heard it. I've never heard it. Right. And, but I've and, heard people, I just want to say one thing. I've heard people on a deathbed saying, can I buy life insurance? <laughs> <laughs> a, a bit too late. As, as high income earners, we don't have an income problem. Right. We, we don't have an accumulation problem. Our problem are the tax burden. 
Right. Our problem is what I get out at the end when I'm about to retire or at the end of the year. What do I get to keep out of that 1.5 million? Right. And so I, I say this, I, I stole this term from the from the Internet. I apologize. But we have a distribution problem. Yeah, it's true. Right. It's true. So insurances is not just for insurance. As you mentioned, insurance is a holistic product that looks at how to efficiently manage the distribution problem. Correct. When people like yourself, uh, advisors, I'm not talking about the salesman because there's a lot of salesmen out there, but I'm talking about advisors who come to us and really advise us. I think it behooves us to really listen. Otherwise, we don't know what we don't know. But you, also, you also have to figure out if that salesman is uh, knowledgeable, experienced, has been in the business. Does he have people uh, who he can use to speak to, speak to you? In other words, uh, references, because you're not making a one-time decision. So here's what I found out, if I can. I'd like to add some color. So, so I found out in working with doctors all the years, I know how they make decisions. This is a general statement, right? And there are different people that make different decisions. So doctors are financially, don't take this wrong, are, because they, they need to be to be good doctors, financially stupid. Okay. I, I would agree to that. Okay. So I, I, was, I, I, I was stupid and maybe I'm still pretty stupid in, in fact. No, you aren't <laughs> because you're on you're on the uh you're on the investigating team, so it's good. So a doctor would say to me, So I like what you said, Gord, but who else that I know has bought from you and would say that what you did works for him? And they would uh, basically say yes and Gord's company. Uh, actually looks after us. And I say, okay, Henry, you know Henry, don't you? Yes, I do. If that's true, okay, I'll do it. That's, that's his diligence, right? Who else did it, right? The accountant is the worst one. <laughs> And, and you, I'm talking about not do, but all of you, the first thing you do is say, I'm going to check with my accountant. Right. Your accountant says, buy term and invest the difference. Exactly. But he doesn't know how long you're going to live. He doesn't know. He hasn't taken the time that a professional person like me takes to figure you all out. Well, it's uh, it's very interesting you say that because you know obviously I speak to a lot of my colleagues and I like you I lecture uh, quite a bit, and that's very common, right? My 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 accountant is this, my accountant advises me on that, and and I often ask him, well, does your accountant look at you know tax planning for you? Oh yeah yeah yeah, we take out dividends, blah 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 blah, and and we do a mix of this and blah blah blah, and I'm like, okay, but. Uh, where where do you invest? How do you invest? And has your accountant ever talked to you about you know life insurance as a you know way to shelter more uh, tax burden? Or no. How about like, a diversified investment? Even even that a diversified investment. And I and I ask him you know do how do you see uh, insurance? Well, everybody sees this as an expense, right? Insurance right. is an expense. Uh, but you know I the thing that really changed my mind was rich dad poor dad Robert Kiyosaki. His book about what is an asset really changed my life because his definition of what an asset is really changed how I view life insurance. And so life insurance is an asset. It's not an expense, uh, but most accountants will see it as an expense. So you don't need it. You don't need it, Vu. Don't, don't do that, right? Uh, so it's very funny you mention accountants because I, I come across that all the time. Right. Uh, at, at one point, I was coaching a, a, a physician who uh, you know hired me to provide coaching and she was adamant that she wanted her accountant by the side while as I was coaching and it was very clear the accountant had no clue what the insurance was about what it's about what it can do and he kept saying no no no, don't do this just buy term and invest the rest buy term and invest for us and I had to leave that meeting because there was no way I was going to get through to this accountant but it's very interesting that accountants don't understand the things that you understand it and that I understand in terms of what insurance product. And again, it's a product, it's a tool. What can, a, what can this tool do for them? Right. Now, I just want to say one thing in defense of accountants. Yeah. Because I used to be one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
which is like in every business or profession, there are people who are excellent and who are proactive instead of reactive. And I want to say this because we're just teaching people that you're speaking to. Yeah. So 90, again, 95% or 90% of counts I've ever met, and I've met thousands of them over 50 years, if you can well imagine. And I lecture them. We have a webinar. We, we get somewhere between 150 and 200 CPAs, and we lecture them on different things, right? Onshore, offshore, this one, this one, upside down, right side up. And what we find out that there are about 5% of accountants that are proactive. This may never have happened to you before because you think that all you're doing is taking your life to an accountant and he is a high paid bookkeeper who basically fills out a form and tells you how much tax to pay because there's very little tax planning that in the, in the old days we could do, we could change year ends, we could do all kinds of things. You can't do it now. Revenue can has really gotten good at what they, at what they espouse and the rules are changed. So, but when's the last time you had your accountant call you and say, Vu, I have a great idea for you, right? Or, or two years ago, there was a massive change in income splitting. And that was one of the major features of MPCs that you could, you could uh, income split with your wives, with your children, if they were a little older and they did some stuff for you. Yeah, up to 40,000. Yeah, can't, can't do that anymore, right? right? Right. So for an accountant to reach out, so two years ago, all that income splitting was gone. The, the tax act changed. And I find that one of the best things that I do, which is a gift to me, is accounts don't call their clients and say, you know, you can't do that anymore, but you can do this. And when I say that, if you have too much money in your MPC and you don't need it for active, what we call active income, which is your practice, yeah. it's taxed at 51%. Okay, so the only tax rates that anybody knows is the corporate under 500,000, which I talked about, which yep. is around 10.5%. Provinces are different. The ultimate tax rate in um, CCPC, Canadian Controlled Private Corporation, is 26.5% over a million dollars. But if you have passive income, and there, was, there are two kinds of passive income. One is too much money in your corporation. That The income on that money because it's not spent in active business is passive income and it's taxed at over 51%. Yeah. The other thing is if you have GICs in your corporation that you're not using, that's called passive income and it could be rental income yep. as well. If you have condos in your corporation, if you have condos in your corporation, which have nothing to do with what you're doing, you got bad advice because you could also lose your capital gain exemption, which is $866,000. And I know everybody's saying, well, you can't sell a practice anymore. And that's true. But there'll come a time when you can. Another government gets in and they change the rules and, and, and all of a sudden, capital gain exemptions are important again. Yep. So, so I just say, keep everything you got because the government is not known for giving you gifts, right? So. Yep. Well, they, they, they did give us one gift, which we'll talk about later. Okay. Uh, TFSA, right? That's the only gift they oh, gave oh. us. Well, they gave that to everybody. I'm talking about doctors. Oh, a doctors. Yes, right. yes, yes. Right. Now, right. it's important that uh, you brought up this, um, this tax uh, on passive income, because um, if I'm invested in the market, like I'm invested in stocks, or I'm invested in an ETF, an index fund, doesn't matter. I'm invested in the market. That's a passive income. Correct. And, and a high rate tax at a high rate exactly and people don't understand that and like oh i i buy term and invest the rest and i'm like yeah you're gonna get really taxed on it you just don't realize it now exactly exactly so there's a so it's a time bomb you're absolutely it's a time bomb uh, thank exactly you for, thank you for saying that it's a time bomb because you keep on doing and do, like if you buy a bar of gold 30 years ago and you still have it you've yeah. never paid any tax on the growth so it went from 30 dollars an ounce in my day yeah to eighteen hundred dollars an ounce, yeah, two thousand an ounce, right, and more. It just hasn't done it yet, but it it probably will. Yeah, as the world falls apart, gold will go up in price. So I'm I'm just saying. So, so when you die, and I want to say this to you, the government says, "Huh, I got them." They have what's called a deemed disposition at death. Yeah, your final tax bill. Yeah, well, you're deemed to have sold all your assets 
at the fair market value as of that day. So if it's your stocks, which you talked about, Boo, then they would look at the Toronto Star or Globe and Mail. They say, oh, those stocks are worth X on the day on the day you died. But then we had a stock market crash the very next day. I'm just telling you the impact. Yep. It's also happened to clients of mine. So they were worth a million dollars in their stock portfolio. And the next day it was worth half a million. But the government taxes you as at the moment before you died. Right. One day so, before, right? No, just the moment before, actually. Or oh, the moment before. Because <laughs> they want to make sure. And or the business, you know, let's say you're running a medical practice, right? It's the it's the moment before you die because the moment after you're not there and your assets are worth nothing or very little, but they tax you on the high amount. So these are things that doctors never people never think about, but the government's going to get every dollar they can. My job and people like me is to help you make sure that that doesn't happen. Right. And 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 you look at it from a uh, holistic and tax perspective. Correct. I've had a long chat with Gord. And so we're going to end the discussion here and we'll come back in episodes number two and number three. So I hope you guys will be listening to that in the future uh, as there will be more information and more stories to come. I hope that you guys enjoyed it so far and uh, learned lots from Gordon. How is my financial health doc podcast is hosted by Dr. Vukit Tran. Dr. Tran is a physician with a special interest in personal financial security and wealth education. Dr. Tran does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through this financial podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. Please confer with your advisor, lawyer, or accountant for specific advice.